0: Good morning and welcome to St. Catherine's Church in Gosainan, albeit for the moment from the comfort of your own homes. Today is Passion Sunday and we're going to focus on the story of Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead. In a time of anxiety, when many of us are perhaps more than ever aware of our mortality and even death, we're going to look at how the story of Lazarus points to the resurrection of Jesus. What that means for us and how it's relevant to our lives today. Together, we're going to celebrate the Christian hope and we're going to remember that even in times such as these, there are still so many reasons to bless the name of the Lord.
1: Bless the Worship your home. praise unending 10,000 years
2: Today's reading is from John chapter 11 verses 1 to 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness doesn't lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go back there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. And after saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you might believe. But let us go to him. And Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary To console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life on the last day. Those who believe in me, though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately the teacher is here and he's calling for you and when she heard it she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out and they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, Where have you lain him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Well, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so they might believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, "Unbind bind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, we're very blessed in St. Catherine's to have a team of people who lead us in prayer every Sunday. And the coronavirus isn't going to stop us. Today, Anna is leading our prayers. Thank you, Anna. Let's pray together.
3: Father God, thank you for being with us always. Thank you that you hear our prayers day and night, wherever we are, and that we can trust in your unfailing love. As we bring our prayers to you this morning, may your spirit move within us. Let us feel you in our lives, preparing our path to you and holding us in your powerful hand. Lord Jesus, we pray for our world as it fights the coronavirus. We pray for those infected, not only for healing, but also for comfort as they heal. Remind us, Lord, that perfect love casts out all fear and frees us from worry. Bring us your peace, safe in the assurance of your faithfulness to the end. We pray for our doctors and nurses in their work. Be their rest, their refreshment, and their hope. Protect them, Father, as they nurse the sick back to health. We ask, Lord, that you protect those who stand to lose their livelihoods and those who face severe hardship. We pray, Lord, that we will see man's humanity prevail, and that those who can will support those in need. May your people be the hands and feet of Jesus, At this time, when our departure from the European Union is now a reality, and as the virus ravishes Europe, let us pray for our European counterparts. Divided as nations, may we be united through love and prayer. God of compassion, we remember this morning those whose lives have been badly affected by storms and flooding. We ask that you strengthen them in their hour of need. Grant them the courage they need to face the future and give them a firm foundation on which to rebuild their lives. We pray for climate justice to protect our brothers and sisters in poorer countries. Help us to care for your creation and to do all we can to protect it. Let this be a time of love for one another. Let us also remember that although this is a time of tribulation for many, We are so very blessed that we live lives where our worries are far less than so many in our hurting world. Let us remember those in our prayers whose lives are still so much worse. Let us think of those who face war, poverty, hunger, loneliness and displacement every day. May we face our own trials with selflessness. Lord God, we pray for your church. Now more than ever, we need to be a stronghold in our community. Bless us as we reach out with the gifts we have to work your purpose out in this land. Give us the trust we need to create your heaven on earth. Help us to wait on you patiently, listen to you carefully, give to you abundantly and serve you wholly. Let us be ever more willing to go for you. We ask your forgiveness for the mistakes we have made. We give you thanks and we worship you. We surrender our lives to you and pray that we grow more like you every day loving each other as you love us. We pray for Archbishop John and our own church leaders as they bless us with their support, love and guidance. We pray for the work of church groups and committees who bring peace and provision to people all over the world and we thank you for those whose work goes unseen among us. We thank you for the children who share in your glory with us and we pray for the team who bring them closer to you. Bless them in their ministry and their commitment. Lord, we hold before you our friends and family, asking that you bless them and keep them safe. We give thanks for the gift of children and ask that you support us to be the best parents we can be. We think of those who are preparing to marry and those who are planning families. May their relationships and love for each other be strong and may they put you first in their lives, grateful for the blessings of their union. We pray for those who are nearing the end of their days. Those facing infirmity or disability, and those who are aging, our mothers, fathers, grandparents, and neighbors. We ask that as their earthly bodies fail, they will find more and more strength in you. And finally, we pray for the young and vulnerable that you will protect them from harm and give them the safety they need as they begin to grow. Give us the opportunity to help them find you, finding the shelter they will need for everlasting life. God of love, we pray for those we are thinking of who are sick in body or mind. We ask for your healing hand in their lives. We pray for those we have loved and lost. Help us always remember in our grief that you gave your life willingly so that all people may pass from death into a new and everlasting life. We ask that in a moment of silence you hear the private prayers of our hearts as we lay those we love, our fears and our worries at your feet. Finally, Father, we pray for ourselves. Open our hearts and minds to you this week. Thank you for our daily blessings and the warmth of your relationship. Help us to wait on you, seeking to do your will and to turn to you with our worries, hopes and requests. May we find moments of peace for prayer, for reading, your word and for your worship. Let us rejoice every day that we are saved and can look forward to an eternity of joy and freedom. May we honour you through our words, thoughts and actions and through the Spirit of the Living God. Accept these prayers for the sake of your Son Jesus Christ who died for us. Amen.
0: The coronavirus has taken away many of the things that we've always taken for granted our ability to leave our own homes or to earn an income, to shop for food or other basic necessities. For you, it could mean the suspension of long-awaited hopes or dreams, perhaps because you're a young couple who's longed to be married, or because that holiday of a lifetime just isn't going to happen now. It could mean that you're having to shoulder new and burdensome responsibilities – Perhaps because you're now worried about an elderly or a vulnerable relative, a friend or a neighbour. It could mean unemployment. Perhaps because you're running your own business and suddenly you find yourself without any customers. These are testing times for all of us. And those of us less negatively affected by the coronavirus need to begin to think about how we can be a shoulder to cry on for others. Albeit a virtual one for the time being, of course. Now is the time to set aside individualism, to think about community and the common good. In fact, it's amazing to see how many Christians across our country have already begun to rise to the challenge of being good news for the nation. They might be chatting with the elderly or with people struggling with self-isolation on the telephone, collecting shopping or other basic necessities like prescriptions manning food banks or soup kitchens and running homeless shelters seeking to be the hands and feet of Jesus for the most vulnerable and the most in need. As St Paul wrote to the church in Rome Be devoted to one another in love Be joyful in hope Patient in affliction Faithful in prayer Share with the Lord's people who are in need Mourn with those who mourn On a local level Many of you will know by now that as a church we've already began working with many groups across our community on a coordinated plan to help the elderly and the most vulnerable. Thousands of leaflets with key telephone numbers, including my own, have already been delivered and a small army of volunteers have begun to work together to offer support. It's really heartwarming. Should you need anything whatsoever, then please don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Over the last few days, I've really enjoyed touching base with many of you on the telephone. And if you belong to our church family, you can look forward to more calls from me or from another member of our team in the coming days. We're really keen to know how you're doing and to find out how we can support you. The coronavirus pandemic has, of course, made all of us more acutely aware of our mortality even those of us like me who are in our mid-thirties. Sickness and even death is very much on our radar at the moment, with literally hundreds of people dying every single day. The English comedian Russell Brand once said, Laughter is addictive because of the inevitability of death. It gives us a temporary escape for the moment. It stops the fear of the inevitability of death. Every one of us will have to face the trouble of death. So where does our hope come from? As Christians, we believe our hope is found in Jesus. The Bible tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. In other words, if we want to know what God is like, we don't need to guess. We simply look at Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was alive and living on earth, he said this about himself. What the readings for today show us is that Jesus is with us. He's among us and he shares in the anxiety, the pain and the grief of our situations. Lazarus was his friend. Jesus loved him and his family and he was deeply moved and troubled by Lazarus' death. In the shortest verse in the Bible, we read that Jesus wept. It's okay to grieve. Currently, it's okay to grieve for the life that you had even a few weeks ago. Your feelings are legitimate, and allowing them to surface provides a pathway towards healing. Many of you will no doubt feel like crying at the moment, and that's totally understandable, but please know that Jesus is right there with you in the middle of all of this. Although Jesus loved Lazarus and his family, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus delayed deliberately, staying where he was for two more days. The delay guaranteed that when Jesus got to Bethany, there was absolutely no hope for Lazarus. He was well and truly dead. But Jesus loved Lazarus and his family, his sisters Mary and Martha. And his grief was so obvious, so this wasn't a callous act. It was an act of love An act that would enable Mary and Martha, the disciples and many others, to believe in Jesus. Only Jesus has the power over death. Jesus is our only hope. And he wants us to see that because he loves us and he wants to bring us to life in all its fullness. So can you see? Do you believe Jesus is uniquely the answer to death? He said to Martha, your brother will be raised up. Martha then replied, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. Of course, she's rightly looking forward to the final resurrection of all people on the last day, the day of judgment. But Jesus' response was, you don't have to wait till the end. I am right now resurrection and life, and anyone who lives believing in me doesn't ultimately die at all. Jesus doesn't simply promise resurrection from the dead. He is the resurrection and he is the life. Jesus died and he rose again. Everyone who believes in Jesus finds life and they find it now. There is life both before and beyond the grave and those who believe in Jesus also rise again from the dead. As a foretaste of the future, Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave. The story of Lazarus, of course, is the story of anyone who is a true friend of Jesus. He calls us to die to the ways of the world, to rise up and to become fully alive so that we might bring life to others, to bring love and hope to our family, to our friends and neighbours, our work colleagues and the world. And this is perhaps more needed now than at any other time, certainly within my 35-year lifespan. If you're a Christian, the resurrection power of Jesus lives within you. As Paul writes to the church in Rome, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit. It brings a deep conviction of God's love. You feel hugged by God, held by God. God wants you to know, deep in your own heart, that you're loved, that you're his child and that you can enjoy a relationship with him. Jesus says that raising Lazarus from the dead will enable the disciples to believe. But the odd thing is that he's speaking to people who already believe. Now this is a reminder that there's still much more for the disciples to learn. You may already be a believer. You might already be a disciple of Jesus and you might have heard this story many times before. But genuine faith continues to grow. There are further lessons still to be learned, which is why we need to continue to speak to God in prayer, to listen to God as we read the Bible, trusting that the Holy Spirit will bring more of God's truth to life in our hearts. And it's why we need to play our part in God's family, the Church, encouraging one another and building one another up in faith so that we might become more like Jesus. Christianity is the largest movement of all time. It's the only movement that never loses a member to death. The late great Mother Teresa was once asked shortly before her death, Are you afraid of dying? She said, How can I be? Dying is going home to God and I've never been afraid. No, on the contrary, she said, I'm looking forward to it. If you're not a Christian and have no idea what any of this is about or why it's relevant to you, let me share why Jesus died and what he achieved for you. So why did Jesus die? The answer is because he loved you. There's a verse in the New Testament where St. Paul says this, The Son of God loved me and he gave himself for me. You're loved. That's the message at the heart of the New Testament. If you'd been the only person in the world, Jesus of Nazareth would have died for you. It's as personal as that. It's unconditional, it's wholehearted and it's continual. It's the greatest love that you could ever imagine. That's the reason for the cross. It's God's unbelievable, amazing love for you. That understanding completely changed my life. But why was it necessary? What was the problem? You're created in the image of God. God loves you and he made you. You're God's masterpiece. There's something amazing about every human being. Something noble and something magnificent. We're capable of such incredible creativity. Music, art and literature... Every human being is capable of great self-sacrifice, devotion and kindness. But certainly in my case there's another side to the coin too. We're also capable of bad and selfish stuff. You only have to read the newspaper or watch the news to know that there's lots of evil in the world. But the world is more complex than simply saying that there are good people and bad people. It's much more mixed. Because people are capable of great devotion and kindness, but also do some bad and selfish stuff. The selfish stuff is what the Bible calls sin. The way the New Testament puts it is like this. All have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed in Jesus, and compared to him, we all fall short by a long way. So you might say we're all in the same boat, why does it matter? But there are consequences to the things that we do wrong and the New Testament describes the impact of sin in a few different ways. Just as the pollution of our environment is a major problem, Jesus says that it's also possible to pollute our lives and our hearts. The things that we do wrong can spoil our lives. Sin poisons our relationship with God and with each other. The bad things in our lives are also addictive. Sin is powerful. St Paul's words sometimes resonate with me. What I want to do, I don't do, and what I hate, I do. Jesus said that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. If you take heroin for a sustained period, then you'll become an addict. But it's not just hard drugs that are addictive. It's possible to be addicted to a bad temper, to envy, arrogance, pride, selfishness or slander. And this is the slavery that Jesus spoke about as the destructive power over our lives. There's something in human nature that cries out for justice. Love and justice are not opposed. We long for people who do wrong to be caught and to be punished because we believe that there should be a penalty for their wrongdoing. But it's not just other people's sins that deserve to be punished. It's ours too. The things that we do wrong create a barrier between us and God. It's a bit like when you fall out with a family member or a friend and you can't quite look them in the eye. Some things come between you. It's like the breakdown of a relationship. That's the bad news. So what's the solution? The good news is that God loves you and that he came to the earth in the person of his son to do something about it to die for you and me and to take the punishment that your sins deserve. The Apostle Peter put it like this, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds we have been healed. Jesus died in our place, instead of you and instead of me. Jesus bore upon himself our guilt and our shame. Guilt is guilt whether you feel or don't feel bad about the selfish things that you've said and done. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. When you embrace who Jesus is and what he's done for your sake, as he died on the cross, there's no longer need to feel guilt or shame because you're forgiven and you're loved. You're of infinite value to God and he'd rather die than spend eternity without you. That's how much he loves you. Because of the cross, the barrier between us and God has been removed. You can come home to God. As St Paul says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In other words, God himself came to earth in the person of his Son to restore the relationship between you and him. At the moment, many people are suffering as a result of the coronavirus. They're anxious about illness and death. The resurrection of Jesus encourages us that ultimately death isn't the end. Jesus has defeated death and even though we may suffer now, that isn't the end of the story. One day there will be no more suffering and there will be no more pain. When you become God's friend, accepting what Jesus has done for you personally, you begin to know his embrace in a deeper way. He hugs us. He loves us and he holds us. You can enjoy a close, intimate relationship with him among the happy, carefree times as well as the difficult and frightening times of your life. And if you're not sure that you have that hope within you, that you enjoy a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray a simple prayer that you can echo now in your heart if you like. Some might say I'm not ready to do that and that's absolutely fine. But if you'd like to, Here's a very simple prayer that you can pray with me. It's a prayer saying sorry, turning away from the bad stuff that we've done in our lives, thanking Jesus that he died for us on the cross, and inviting him in, opening the door of our hearts and saying, Jesus, come in. So picture Jesus as he is, standing at the door of your heart and knocking, If you want to invite him in, pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much. I turn away from the bad stuff in my life. And if there's anything that comes to mind that you need to ask forgiveness for, you can do that now. Thank you Jesus that you died for me so that I might be forgiven and set free. I now receive your forgiveness. I put my trust in you and I ask you to come into my heart by your Holy Spirit to be with me today and forever. In Jesus' name, Amen. Pray now for God's blessing on you as we begin another very challenging week in the life of our history as a nation, a week that will be challenging for many personally too. Remember to pray for our work as a church alongside others across the community as we seek to support those who are lonely, isolated and vulnerable. Pray that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus in all that we seek to do in his name. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all today and remain with you always. Amen. (laughs)